Garun removed her mask and stepped away from the wet graffiti to see clearly the whole of the hex sigil she'd painted. It was difficult breathing through the filters on the leather mask, and it felt good to taste the fresh air. It was dark, the only light coming from the pale moon that sat low in the sky. She relied on insight and feeling when she painted, so the dark didn't bother her. She didn't need to see to know if the graffiti was good or when it was ready. She simply felt it. But it was a raw feeling. She wanted to be sure, so she slipped the goggles over her eyes in order to see the sorcerous Seidmak bleeding from the paint. Sharp geometries jutted out unexpectedly from the red and obscure graffiti. And even though the paint wasn't dry yet, the Seidmak already radiated powerfully into the environment. Exhausted from the work... Garon felt dried up after using so much Derlisith paint in such a short time. While she painted, the emotions expressed within her art were amplified by the Derlisith in the paint and cast back to her in a vicious psychedelic cycle. She was the snake that fed on itself. Now it was complete. Garon turned down the volume of the electronic music booming in her ears and focused on letting the painting speak to her. The graffiti was in a good location atop the store Krampodin, and with luck, it would be weeks until it was discovered. All the while, it would continue to bleed Seidmagn into the environment, where it would infiltrate the subconscious of those nearby. It would slowly infect their minds and sow the seeds of discord. If left undisturbed, the painting would become as a death mask over the building and its neighbourhood. Krampodin was a store owned by Sigurdur Torvaldsen, a merchant who ran several enterprises in the greater Reykjavik area. The one below Garum's feet had become one of the most popular colonial stores in the city since Sigurdur had moved to Reykjavik and set up shop almost the same day as the occupation of the crown began. Not for the soldiers, but for all the people from the countryside flooding to the city to work for the army. The crown needed a large working force, especially to build the forts in Vide and the barracks on Selkjadnanes. Sigurdur had pushed those out who threatened his business, threatening, blackmailing and maiming, but above all, profiting. By the time occupation became colonisation and the forts of the colonial masters were built, Sigurdur Torvaldsen had become a wealthy man and Reykjavik a fully grown city. The graffiti Garun had sprayed on the roof was an anti-prosperity hex. It was intended to drive away the establishment's elite customers who prized Krampunen's imported luxury products. Exotic spices, delicate fabrics, handmade soaps, candies and perfumes were only a small fraction of the merchandise available. Those who did not subconsciously avoid the store would become victims of the hex. Pushy customers would argue with the staff, who in turn would be unhelpful and patronising. With luck, the influence would spread over the whole street as the graffiti fed on the people's negative emotions and spewed them back out. She hoped that it would be able to remain unharassed for longer than her other work, which had all been found within a few days. She took the spray cans and the painting mask and stuffed them into her backpack along with the goggles. Before climbing down from the roof, she double-checked that she'd left no empty cans behind. She slid down the fire escape ladder in the back and turned up the volume again. It was calm and slow, the bass steady and comforting, telling her that nobody was around, nobody was watching. She ran silently through empty yards, vaulted over the fences in her path. 
The beat became faster the closer she got to the Kverviskata road, and the stressed rhythm hinted that the police might not be far down the street. She weaved through alleys and backyards alongside Kverviskada's busy road. The evening traffic had barely started to trickle downtown. Sudden breaks and booming bass lines told her if someone was about to cross her path or about to look out of their window, and she reacted instinctively, ducking into cover and waiting for the threat to pass. She could never be absolutely sure that she had not been seen, and often it was hard to read the music, but after endless practice, it had become almost second nature, a part of her natural reflex. She let go and let the music speak to her subconscious. The closer she got to Hlemmer, the more uneasy the music grew. Patrol automobiles were lined up in front of the police station, which was fused with the central station like a tumour grown outside a body. The beat was thick and murky, the music absolutely deafening. She turned down the volume so it was barely audible, pulled her hoodie up and tried not to think about what would happen if she was stopped for a random search. 